Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25. Here's to the winning combination for 2023, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, while supplies last. You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. Kempe in the zone, in the middle, a backhander. He scores! Adrian Kempe. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Back out there with Kempe and Byfield and off the draw. Byfield and Kempe, who shoots and scores! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. All right, gang. Training camp is open. Players are taking the ice. There's a lot of anticipation for the upcoming season, but first, we've got to look at the top 10 questions for training camp. And I just want to emphasize now, we are just talking about training camp today. Top 10 questions for the season is a whole other conversation and a whole other episode that'll be out in a few weeks. Hope to see some of you at training camp, and as always, if you see me out and about, feel free to stop by and say hi. Go Kings, go. All right, it is, I mean, it's hockey time. The season's here. Joining me today, Jack Jablonski. How are you doing today, Jack? I'm good. It's, it's time to go. Featuring Jared Chaffron. Oh, that's reserved for Zach Dilley. <laughs> and, and Jared Chaffron. How are you doing today, Chaff? Doing great. All right, we're going to talk about training camp. Half the team, well, not half, maybe a third of the available players are in Australia. They have begun camp. By the time you're listening to this, camp will have started here in El Segundo for the remainder of the players. So this is the 10 Biggest questions for the LA Kings heading into training camp 2023. And we're going to start with one that'll sort of be answered by the other nine. But that is how many players are the LA Kings going to have on opening night coming out of camp? Is it 21, 22, or 23? And if you're not understanding why we're asking that question, the NHL allows teams to carry 23 players. You can dress 20 in a game, which means you can have three healthy scratches. It is usually one defenseman and two forwards. However, the LA Kings are up against the salary cap, and at the moment, with the roster in Australia, minus Jacob Doty, Samuel Fogamo, Alex Turcott, uh, blanking on all the extra names that are there, Jacob Uvaray, they've got 21 guys that will leave them with $100,000 left in cap space. So the question is, do the Kings have 21, 22, or 23 players coming out of camp? And like all of these, we just won't know. But Shaf, any thoughts on opening the season shorthanded? Yeah, and I you can tell you, you said the season's here. Yeah. And, you know, I can tell by the amount of workload that we all have on our plate right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's here. It's not the summer anymore. No, it's uh, not. But as far as, you know, this roster, it, it is really interesting. And it's definitely almost constructed that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was purposeful when you – made the trades the Kings did in the offseason and signed the players they signed, you can kind of see what they're projecting, and it's projecting that they're not going to have a full 23-man roster. Uh, now, you know, injuries can change things. Yep. So, like you said, there's no real answer to this right now, but it is something that you got to be, you know, mindful of. And with waivers, and, um, you know, we're going to get into that, but with, with how this roster comes together, 
Um, it's going to be interesting because it, it's most likely not going to have 23 names on it. The 23-man roster is going to be lower than that. Yeah, it's $123,333 in cap space, assuming that your extra skater is Jared Anderson Dolan and you're not carrying any extra defensemen and – and you assuming, don't make any trades, you know? Yeah, and assuming that your third pair is Andreas Englund making a million dollars against the cap and Brant Clark making 863 Now, that might not be the case. If it's Bjornfoot and not England, will you pick up an extra 200000 in change in cap space? Um, That's great that you have that, but it's not enough to add another It's not player. enough to add another one, <laughs> but there are, like, all sorts of tweaks, right? Like, Phoenix Copley is one5 if Phoenix Copley, for whatever reason, gets injured, doesn't start the season, and David Riddick is starting, well, that's whatever, 800000 And then if Bjornfoot makes it and, and England doesn't, that's another two hundred. You know what I mean? Like, there are little tweaks here and there that can that can make space for another, for a 22nd player. It's not likely, though. We're not anticipating and obviously not rooting for a bunch of injuries. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. Is is financially you don't have a choice unless yeah. we start with those little tweaks, and mm-hmm. and those are the storylines that people are going to want to watch out for during training camp. You know, it's you know I, we'll get to you know questions six, seven, and eight where we kind of address those a little bit deeper. But twenty one is is where they're they're at. You, they you have no other options based on the way they constructed the roster. And I agree with Jared in the sense that. This isn't a surprise to them. They knew this going into it when they made said transactions. So when you go and pick up Pierre-Luc Dubois and you sign him for 8.5, you know, money gets tight all of a sudden. And that's a situation where three, four, five years ago we had, you know, plenty of space and it wasn't uh, an issue. Now, as we continue to become contenders and and try to work towards the Stanley Cup and getting out of that first round, this is what teams that that are going to be winners have to do. And it's up to the players to be successful on the ice but then again you've got management who has to be able to control the financial side of this that gives the team you know the best chance to win without handcuffing them mm-hmm. rob blake said so said so in his press yeah. conference after signing P- yeah. pld um but not one of our 10 questions mm-hmm. but a question for you jesse mm-hmm. how much time have you spent on cap friendly trying to maneuver the <laughs> roster and see a lot how many guys? a lot <laughs> An awful lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to propose some of the easier fixes that would open up space for a 22nd or 23rd player, but they're out there. They might be unpopular. <laughs> they require... Jesse with an unpopular opinion. Well, no, they require, you know, naming players that would have to not be a, a on the roster, so I'm not going to do that. Um, but the next question then is, will everybody be healthy at the end of camp? And obviously there's no way of knowing that, but to start camp, it turns out, we already have uh, – whoa, that was crazy. I put my hand in front of my mouth and my my voice disappears on the mic. Um, technology. Technology. Yeah. Um, whoa. But Brant Clark did not make the trip to Australia. It was announced. Um, Zach Dooley and the PR staff confirmed that he has a, a non-contact injury that will require him to skate in a red no-contact jersey with the group that stayed home instead of going to Australia. That's a huge bummer. I know a lot of people were expecting him to make an impressive showing at camp, and that was going to start with the first two games in Australia. That will not happen now. Well, it's not just the first two games. He's missing right. a whole week of training camp with the group that he mm-hmm. is projected to be a part of. So um, no question from a personal side, you've got to feel bad for Brandt with um, you know the instances that led to him not being able to, uh, to make the trip across the globe. Obviously, just as a young kid, that's got to be – uh, quite the experience that you're missing out on. So you, you feel for him there, but 
um, you know, as you look towards the season, uh, in terms of health, you know, it sounds like it's, you know, a short term, you know, little issue, so to speak. So seven to 10 days, you know, he gets back basically ready to go once the players get back from Australia. So hopefully he'll be ready to go jump right in, start to compete and, and try to prove that he belongs in that third D pair. Yeah, the question says, will everyone be healthy at the end of camp? Well, unfortunately, Brent Clark, not 100% healthy right now, but seems like it's not a long-term injury that's going to keep him out for for that long. He'll still play in the preseason. He'll still hopefully be healthy at the end of camp. Other than that, no other injuries that we know about yet. Um, Everyone's gone through their physicals, so I think at this point, you know, we'd, we'd start to know if anything crops up. Obviously, almost every single team in camp is going to have something happen. Guys get banged up. Things get changed and you got to keep, you know, keep track. Zach does a great job on LA Kings insider during camp every day with what's the lineup, what's the lines, who's in, who's out. So if you, Mm -hmm. you know, want to stay in touch with who's healthy, who, where guys are playing, um, that's a great place to, to start as far as getting the lines, seeing who's playing with who and who might be out. So that's, you know, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that every day. Next question, will any players be moved or claimed off waivers? The reason this question is important this year is that, as we said, there aren't, there isn't enough cap space for extra players, for healthy scratches. So assuming that Jared Anderson Dolan is the 13th forward, which I shouldn't, I'm just doing it, you know, for convenience sake. There's no guarantee that somebody can't uh, compete for that spot or one of the guys on the roster. Um but Samuel Fogamo, Tobias Bjornfoot, um, England, Riddick, Copley, all these guys. I mean, I'm assuming Copley makes the, the roster, but I'm just throwing names out. Yeah, there's other names like Tyler Madden and yeah. Akil Thomas right. and, you know, TJ Tynan and these guys all. Have the, the only players that are completely, you know, Jacob free from being claimed are Byfield, Kaliev, Clark, Spence. Uh, Turcotte, Lee, Laferriere, Pinelli, Chromiak, Hellenius, and Ward. Uh, excuse me, Krieger, Nuzian, and Dvorak, uh, Spence, and Portillo. Everybody else uh, earmarked for Ontario can be claimed off of waivers. I'm not anticipating any players this year, but it's happened in the past. I wouldn't be shocked. Anybody you're, you know, particularly cautious of? Yeah, David Reddick. Sure. I think to me that's probably your most dangerous if you are in a situation where you can't keep all three. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's if all three are healthy, which we just went over, they don't all fit on the roster if everybody's healthy. Um, that's probably the one where I'm, I'm watching the most, um, especially because I work with the Ontario Rain and whoever, if one of those three guys doesn't make the roster and heads toward the Rain, uh, that that would be your starting goaltender at the AHL level. So. That would probably be the, the one I'm concerned the most of just because, it, you know, you look at all the different factors of why someone would get claimed. He's played a lot of games in the NHL, seems to be a pretty reliable NHL goaltender. He's not making a crazy salary that somebody can't fit into their mm-hmm. to their number. So uh, that would be one. And then obviously, you know, some of those other guys, you never know. Like you said, Anderson Dolan, uh, Fagimo, you know, Jacob Muvarari, uh, Tobias Bjornfoot. Uh, those guys also, you know, they've had some NHL experience. They're they're good prospects. Teams, I'm sure, would think of upon them favorably. So those are all guys to watch. Well, I'm actually just going to pose the question back to you, Jared. I mean, obviously, you've got the experience in seeing these guys. Who do you find most intriguing in terms of an upside for those players? I mean, obviously, 
we're tight on numbers, no question. So they're going to have to go through waivers. I think Jared Anderson Dolan, if he is exposed, is someone who clearly can play as a versatile player. He plays in the middle. He's a good defensive center. He can play penalty kill minutes. He he is a very just great locker room presence. Like mm-hmm. You can plug him in anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, to me, that's a guy who sticks out at me as if a team was, was waiver shopping, so to speak. He would present a lot of value, a lot of upside. The other one is Tobias Bjornfoot because he's so young still. Uh, and he's got a lot of NHL experience, and again, he's a first round. He's a first round pick from from what 2019. Mm-hmm. So, yes, he. I think the Kings are expecting him to take that that jump and yeah. and hopefully stick. But if he doesn't, or if there's just not enough room, and they make a decision to keep someone else, I think that's a you know someone who would have more. Uh, at least you know when you're talking about a waiver claim, it's somebody that has to stay in the NHL for 30 days. So you're not talking about. A guy like Akil Thomas, do teams think he has upside? Absolutely. Yeah. But he's never played an NHL game. So you're probably not claiming Akil Thomas as someone who you're going to keep in the NHL for 30 days, even though I think teams would still think he has value. So yeah. I think that's why, you know, Tobias Bjornfoot, who's played a couple seasons in the NHL already at this point and is clearly a pretty, pretty good defenseman on the left side. If you're looking at a guy who doesn't make a ton of money and you might be able to keep him in the NHL for 30 days, he's done that before. An earlier version of this list contained a question about strategy of when you send guys down, right? Because camp's open, but most of the cuts won't happen until deeper into camp. And a guy like David Riddick, you're just hoping that some other team doesn't lose one of their goalies, right? That's how a goalie gets claimed off yeah. of waivers at a camp. If Ottawa, you know, if Corpusalo goes down or something and they need a goalie, or if Edmonton loses one of their guys, you know, that's what happened in the past. They snagged. Um, Grossnick, I think it was. Yep. So, you know, with the team going to Australia, some interesting decisions to bring guys fighting for spots that you wouldn't necessarily, exp- you know, Riddick's in Australia. They took both Bjornfoot and England uh, and Muverari. So, I mean, and Spence. Yeah. All well, four Spence, of those. doesn't have to go through. Yeah. But all four of those, you know, all three of those guys are not making the roster, right? It's. Basically, three guys fighting for one spot, two at best. Um, but they're, you know, obviously they're going to be back sooner rather than later. But you just wonder when those cuts are going to start happening. Like I said, an earlier version of the list uh, went into that deeper. So then the next question is how many rookies uh, will there be on this roster to start? If I had to guess, I'd say none, assuming full health. Is Clark a rookie? Uh, well, yes. Okay. He definitely is. Yeah, yeah. Spence and Clark would both technically. So I guess one would be my guess. Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, and I think Bjorn. No, Bjorn played seven Bjorn games. Played, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Um, so I guess I changed my answer from zero to one. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, you look at the way things line up, you look at who we would project a slot into where, mm-hmm. um, I think you have to look at that third right D pair as the. Of course, we expect it to be one of the two. Yeah. So automatically one. Um, I don't think either of them are ready to <laughs> play together as a D pair in terms of uh, lefty, righty as a third pair, given their uh, styles of play. But uh, I think one is is definitely the, the lock. I, I can't imagine we'd find a second one in there. Um, but there are chances. There's opportunities as we'll get into. The other one you'd probably just throw out is maybe Samuel Fagimo. Uh, if... 
if there's an injury up front mm-hmm. and there's another mm-hmm. space available, he's a guy who is a rookie who I think they still really like and you know has a chance if he has a good camp to to make that make that group. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that's I mean, why I said assuming full health. Yeah, assuming full health. Yeah. One, I agree with the Fagimo part because you know he's had opportunities to play in the NHL. It's just it seemingly hasn't been like things go wrong. Mm-hmm. Like when he gets that opportunity, like for instance, didn't he make his NHL debut against San Jose when I believe Hurdle had a hat trick in the first period? Like it was, you know, things just didn't add up, or you know, things went, you know, to chaos, uh, so to speak, uh, keeping it PG. <laughs> and so, you know, if he does get an opportunity, can he slide into certain areas? Obviously, we, you know, Jared, you can speak to it better than I can. He has the upside. It's just a matter of, you know, consistency or opportunity. And I don't want to rule anything out, but I see a lot of conversations about, well, can this player grab a spot? Can that player grab a spot? Whether it's Fogamo, whether it's Turcotte, whether it's playing Spence and Clark at the same time, whatever it is. And I just, for me personally, you know, obviously not ruling anything out. These guys aren't going to get a ton of opportunity to pass the guys ahead of them on the list, right? There's only so many preseason games. Yeah. And in order for someone, let's just say Alex Turcott, in order for or or Akil Thomas or Taylor Ward or yeah. whomever, in order to prove to the coaching staff that they are not only ready to take that leap, but ready and can deliver more than the guys that are already in those spots. So let's just take Jared Anderson yep. Dolan, who is, you know, conservatively expected to be the thirteenth forward. But the coaching staff knows what they're getting out of Jared Anderson Dolan. The mm-hmm. training staff knows what they're getting out of Jared Anderson Dolan. The development staff has, you know what I mean? Like he's been here since 2017. You, you have to be so far above. So yeah, exactly. And that's the so, hard part is, is so talk, much better than Jared Anderson Dolan. I think what the, the interesting thing, and I think coaches, not, I think I know coaches say this every year and it's, it's one of those things where it's, you know, for instance, let's say take Gabe Velarde last year. Velarde went into camp where if he didn't have a camp, there was a really good chance he was going to go on waivers mm-hmm. and a really good chance that he was going to be picked up because of who he was as a player. So what he did was he made it impossible for them to not keep him. Mm-hmm. And that's what a player is going to have to do. You know, a guy who's going to score in preseason games, a guy that's going to be stand out in practice. Not easy because he's not going to be, you know, getting power play time right. and, and opportunities to showcase more offense or, or whatever it may be. But you know that's what the player has to do. That what I was going to say is, unfortunately for this year and the version of the Kings that we're getting to start camp, there, there's no one like Velarde because he was given an opportunity to play. Exactly. You know, it, it, even it wasn't necessarily in the top six, but even the top nine right from the start. Yeah. And you're right; he was so good. There was no way he wasn't going to yeah. make the team. Yeah. It was obvious he was going to be. Well, one and of then those didn't Kaliev also get hurt late in camp? And so that's what I was going to bring, yeah. bring it back to. Question number. Uh, two, will everyone be healthy at the end right. of camp? I mean, I think two years ago it was Grunstrom that was hurt. And, we, you know, we had last year Arvidsson was banged up at yep. the beginning, still at the beginning of camp. So he wasn't full health. Uh, I think Sean Dursey was was also injured during camp last year. So that allows guys with more of an opportunity. But what I was going to say as an answer to this question, too, is I don't think that there's going to be a guy like Velarde last year who who's going to get that opportunity to jump out and just overtake someone else for a spot. But what I do think is going to happen is you're going to have guys who are going to play really well in camp, hopefully for the Kings, that they might be a player that's just – it's they're not capable of making the roster out of camp. Yeah. But what they do is they showcase that they're 
available to be a plug-in, available to be maybe the first call-up or the second call-up. Or and to my great example of this is always Jordan Spence two years ago, mm-hmm. because literally he's coming in as a rookie. No one had any expectations. Yeah, and the Kings gave him an opportunity to play in a preseason game. He went to San Jose. Again, no one knew. They were like, "Ah, oh, this guy's a fourth round pick. We don't really know much about him." Undersized. Undersized. Yeah. He and 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 again, well, he's a right shot defenseman. We have a ton of those. <laughs> so he shows up in in that game in San Jose. He scores a goal, and he played really well. And I was like, you know what? Let, he need, he should get another game. Yeah, he did, and he played well. And then obviously, a couple months later, there was COVID, and there was injuries, and a couple guys went down, and he all of a sudden gets called up and then yeah. he doesn't come back eventually. And he's, he's playing in the playoffs yeah. that year. Yeah. So he didn't earn a spot at a camp cause there wasn't room, but what he did was he showed he can play. Mm-hmm. And from there he showed that he's a good plug in guy for when they needed him. Can I just throw out a name? Who yeah. I think also falls in the Figimo category. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Laferriere. Yeah. I, yes, absolutely. I think he is someone and we project the roster. Obviously we assume that Byfield is going to start at left wing on that top line. Then you go down to, you know, we'll start just in terms of what we know is that third line of Deneau and um, uh, Trevor Moore and Victor Arvidsson. Assume that stays together. And then you've got that PLD. And I guess we do you want to just jump to this question? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah, Fiala, yeah, PLD, Fiala, and PLD, Kaliev. Yeah. You know, there's a lot expected out of Kaliev. And, you know, on the right side, you've got two right wings that are, you know, Hoping to show that they could plug in that spot if things mm-hmm. don't work out. I got one other guy. I, I think the Laferriere, by the way, Jack is, is an excellent big take. On, big on, uh, oh, big yeah, on Laferriere. Big fan as well. Yeah. But and Jesse knows this too. I'm big on Alex Turcott. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, again, as a guy who obviously he's been in the NHL before, but he's a guy who, if he has a good camp, I don't think he's making the roster. But I do think that when the Kings need him. He shows that he's ready, and then potentially doesn't doesn't leave because yeah. he's he's, he's also, on the cusp, right? Yeah. Now. And he's also shown that, like Jared Anderson Dolan, he's comfortable at center, he's comfortable at right wing, he's comfortable at left wing. You know, there's still some, but for the first time, right? He's he's actually been healthy the whole off season, and that's that's huge. I don't think has that ever happened. You know, he's always been he's always had something going on. No, yeah. ever since he came to the Kings and got injured in that uh, the gold medal game against Canada when they upset uh, the. He's never had a full yeah. off season. Exactly. And he's always had, you know, concussion issues, you know, just for the sake of his well-being, you hope that he can get healthy and show who he really is. Cause there was a reason he was drafted fifth overall. He's a phenomenal, well-rounded player. So, you know, you look towards this season, obviously it's a huge season. He's an upcoming RFA. So what does the future hold for him? You know, everyone, we talk about contract years and, and he knows how important it is given, you know, his history of, of injuries and, being able to prove the player that he is. So super intriguing. And I think that's a good call on Shaft's part where hard for him to, to make that roster right out of camp. But again, a guy who has been very good in the AHL when he's played and, and Shaft, obviously, you know, that seeing him firsthand more than I and, and Jesse. So, um, you know, I, I, I certainly agree with that. I'm going to backtrack to something I wanted to address before we jumped into the questions, but it slipped my mind, but you were, you reminded me, uh, I want to do a real quick, uh, King of the Week for the rookie tournament because you were there. Do do do. I was thinking about editing it half, out the way they yeah, do. Wait, wait, two yeah. thoughts. Halftime. Here we are. I'm lazy, so we're just gonna sh- Let's just hop right into halftime. Crowbar it in in between questions four and five. 
Okay. We don't have to go player by player, person by person. I'm just going to say for me. So it was, just one guy? I'm just going to tell you my three guys. And oh, okay. So I'm going to tell yeah. you three guys too. Penelope, LaFerriere, and Ingham. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would say my three guys are Krieger, LaFerriere, and Ingham. Say more about Krieger. Well, Krieger was the best defenseman there mm-hmm. for the Kings. He ate up minutes in the first two games. So many, so much so that they gave him a re- – I, I think they wanted him to play in the third game. It was like, all right, this guy played too many minutes in the first two. He's, he's going to be in NHL training camp. He's probably going to play right. in a, a preseason game or two. Like, we, we can't overdo it. But, um, you know, I thought he used his size to dominate. And he, he won't necessarily be able to do that when he gets into NHL mm-hmm. main camp. But against the rookies – and against some of the younger guys and against some of the inexperienced guys, I thought he was outstanding. And he he took charge as a leader in the room. He was a go-to guy for players to talk to. He was a sponge. I saw him multiple times talking to development staff and, and other personnel from the Kings. And they're throwing tons of stuff out of him. And he's absorbing it and moving and, and actually making changes into his game. Uh, taking things that they're suggesting and like incorporating it right away so that they're giving them more things. And like a lot of times with players, especially in a, a tournament like this, they don't want to overwhelm you with information. But for Cole Krieger, it seemed like he was being overwhelmed and actually handling it well and getting better and better. You talk about the, you know, Krieger's 23, uh, obviously a, a much more mature person yeah. on and off the ice, you know, experience wise. He's played big minutes in Big Ten games. He's played in playoff games for for Michigan State. So he has that history. And I think that's a great point that Shaft brings up. Is he had the ability to absorb that because he has the knowledge, the wherewithal, the previous history of being able to show that he can adapt. Obviously at a different level in college hockey. But the Big Ten was absolutely stacked last year. And he was a phenomenal standout player. He was awarded in certain areas. Um, so no question that a guy like him, like you mentioned, is, is someone that is going to get a little bit of an opportunity. You know, we talk about some of the players in the NHL roster. Krieger's not there yet, but again, he's showing that he has capabilities. Cole Krieger's like to me right now, he is, he's older than Jordan Spence was, but he's the Jordan Spence for me this year of a guy who might come in and surprise some people uh, that who is not really on the radar of an NHL type guy, Mm. but that if the Kings have some injuries, which we hope they don't, he could plug in and play. So what I'm hearing is that you're projecting Cole Krieger in the playoffs this year? Calder Trophy winner. Yeah. Well, Cole I mean, Krieger. you never know. You don't. <laughs> so I'm not projecting that. But <laughs> to further the comparison with um, Spence, we'll get back to the 10 questions in a second. One of the things I have noticed as a result of staring at Cat Friendly for hours on end this summer. Um, <laughs> just is, not, not days, just hours? Per day. Um, <laughs> but like the left side of the of the defense on the depth chart is loaded and i mean he's conservative like he's the fourth guy on my depth chart for ontario you know even not knowing who's number one you've got hicketts Connaughton, krieger and one of bjorn footer england that's assuming full health which we know won't happen but even with one injury he's still battling with new zealand for the bottom pair so i mean he's now, Jordan Spence came in and was told at the beginning of his first season, you're going to split time with Good with Helge Grounds. And, you know, he wound up winning Defenseman of the Year and spending whatever, 25 <laughs> games in the NHL. So, anyway, I want to get it out of that way because I wanted to talk about Laferriere, but we spent more time talking about Krieger. Um, next question. Uh, <laughs> and, and we both picked Jacob Bingham as our Yeah, well, I mean, he was, yeah, that. No, he was great. That's, but he's on an AHL contract. Um, That's right. So, not yet factoring into uh, the Kings. 
conversation. The next question is, will there be special team specialists? And the reason I phrased it that way, the reason I sort of didn't break it up into more was because we all know that the Kings have tons of offensive options. Whoever it is that whatever eight forwards wind up on the power play, they don't have to be those eight, right? It can They can shuffle it around or they can move guys from the first and the second pair. But the penalty kill last year was a problem. And the penalty kill needs to be better this year. So the real question is that by the end of camp, will we have a more solid sense of what the penalty kill looks like? And will there be, you know, Trevor Lewis, for example, I think it's fair to say we expect him to play on the penalty kill. Yeah. Will it be Carl Grundstrom, Blake Lazat, Trevor Lewis, and fill in the blank on the penalty kill? Is Andre Kobitar going to continue to kill a bunch of minutes? Is Drew Doughty going to continue to see a bunch of time? On the penalty, I think goal. Trevor Moore is a guy who should be seeing time on the penalty. Absolutely, goal. yeah. I, but is it you know is that it? Then is he does that take him off of a power play unit to spread the minutes around? Are there going to be guys that play both? Well, I, so I think you got to look at a guy like uh, Dano mm-hmm. because you have to imagine they're not going to load three centers on two power plays because then you leave yourself with only Lazat coming off next. Mm-hmm. Again, a doable thing, but. If you're going to look at a guy who just signed for 8.5 and you've got Kopitar, who's obviously phenomenal mm-hmm. when wherever he is on the power play, that leaves like a, a guy like Deneau, who I think maybe you more situationally, you know, he plays the normal five on five minutes. And, you know, at times he was that a good net front, a good net front presence on the power play. That's got it. You would assume that's going to be replaced by PLD. And so that would leave Deneau off the power play. And I think you could easily value him because of how smart and how intelligent he is as a center. So I think you would assume PLD and Kopi play the power play. And then maybe it's more of a Lazat and Dano tandem throughout the season. You know, maybe when you get into the final minutes, you know, situational gameplay, you, you look at a guy like Kopitar or something, but that would be my take, and then I think you're right. I think you look at the wings, Trevor Lewis, for sure, you would expect to have a very important role, and then I do agree with you on the Trevor Moore part. It's a great point by Jack. I mean, that's definitely – and I and I think to, to your point, Jesse, I think that we will have an idea, mm-hmm. but I also think – and so what's great about this camp is there's so many games. There's a lot of preseason games, so we're going to have a lot of time to see it. The difference is we're not going to have many games with the whole NHL lineup. We yeah. talk about how many. Yeah. One, you know, maybe two. Yeah. Yeah. The, the games in Australia might give you a, a better you idea. Know, a great yeah. idea because that's basically the you know what we kind of project as the NHL lineup. But once they start to integrate all these other guys in there, we're not going to get to see those kind of units together. So I think in some ways, yes, because of how many games, we'll kind of get to see what what, what system they might want to run, whether there's any changes there. But as far as personnel goes, maybe like that last game, we'll probably see, or maybe the second to last game, whatever game that, that they, choose to, they yeah. choose to like load everything up, that would be a good preview. And they do have a lot of games. So I, I feel like everyone, even with... Everyone's going to get an opportunity. Yeah, even with yeah. the travel and all that stuff, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities. It, it's going to be... I don't even know what the word for it is. It's going to be odd because your two best face-off guys and your two best defensive centers can't be your top two penalty killers right. anymore. Like Dano and Kopitar just can't be out there. Nor forever. do you need them to. Well, you have better talent. Except the that roster. they're except that they're the best face-off guys and the best well, defensive. You got you know, you like, to have the other guys step up. 
and right. have them maybe get to their level. You, but you if you're down by one well, with a minute left or 100 minutes, well, but, fine. You know, yeah, absolutely. But, but you if it's at, the first period, maybe it's not like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you look at Lazad. I believe his faceoff percentage he's has good. improved every yeah. single year. So he's working his way up. He's in the 50s. And, and that's something that for Lazat, who's, again, uh, RFA, I believe, mm-hmm. this is his last year as well. So yep. he, it's important for him as well. So he's got to... You know, find that niche, find that role for him. And we know what he does. He's obviously an energizer bunny. He's someone that comes out, works his butt off, you know, never takes his shifts off and will dig into the corners whenever asked. So obviously a phenomenal team player. But for him, he's got to continue to show his value and find a place for himself on the roster if he wants to continue, you know, playing a valuable role in the NHL, whether it's with the Kings or or someone else down the road. Who knows? But um, no question, I think you're going to have to split that up, like you guys yeah. said. Of, I, I would assume Kopitar has taken face-offs on PP1, probably PLD on PP2, and then, you know, or maybe they double it up on PP1. I don't know the answer. We'll yeah. find out. We'll get a better idea It'll once change, they get yeah. back here or once we, saw, once we see them on uh, NHL Network coming up this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so then now we get into <laughs> the meat of the, uh, of the episode. Question number six, who starts the season at lefty three? I think I know the answer. But really? We haven't even played a preseason game. <laughs> no, I know. But I got to tell you, and I mentioned this on a previous episode, like last year, or I guess I mentioned it maybe on Eddie Garcia's show. I don't remember where I said it. Shout out, Eddie. Um, last year, I believe, we had a conversation with Jarrett Stoll in the offseason. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, listen, Tobias Bjornfoot played 70 games last year. Obviously, we expect to see even more out of Tobias Bjornfoot in the coming season. Well, that never happened. <laughs> he spent the year in the AHL. So Tobias Bjornfoot now has an opportunity to win a spot out of camp and make good on that expectation from the development staff. It is what I personally expect to happen, but I will not be the least bit shocked if uh, England grabs a spot. I won't even be shocked if somebody that, you know, Canaton or Hicketts or or Cole Krieger grabs a spot. You'd I'm be, not expecting you be it. Shocked? I don't think I would be. Okay. No. You I'm just gonna... started this off by saying you already know who the LD3 I is. I think I know who it is. And no. you also and you, just said way, Krieger was going to be fourth D. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe it'll be Tobias Bjornfoot for a number of reasons. Okay. But so I but agree. Be but I won't be shocked if it's Kanaan. any of the other ones. I, I think it's you lead with it. I believe it's. A, close to a toss-up between Bjornfoot and England. Yeah. Well, they're I, the guys in Australia. Exactly. And but Muvarari is there too. Exactly. Forgot about Muvarari. Yeah. Don't forget about Tuna. <laughs> um, so, I I mean, I'm on your page, Jesse. I think this is going into it or whatever may happen. I think we're going to see Tobias Bjornfoot start game one at lefty. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think it's an important year for him. And, you know, Jared, you can talk about the experience and, and everything that, you know, he grew in last year, which I'm intrigued to to kind of get your take on that because it seems like everything's pointing in the direction for him to then move forward and take a step and finally solidify that he belongs in the NHL and nowhere else. Well, I, I think the minutes minutes wise, it was great for him to be in Ontario the amount of time that he was there totally. last year. I think that one of the things that was tough for him, unfortunately, is I feel like when he had a long spell in Ontario we really started to see him him develop. And then he would get called up, maybe get in one NHL game, but maybe spend a week or two on the NHL roster, and then come back to Ontario 
and it was like he had to get used to the league again. And I think for some guys, they really struggle when they go up and down. Some guys do a great job at both at both levels, adapting, yeah, and they can adapt quickly. And other times, it takes guys, you know, a little bit of time to get reset. And I think both Bjornfoot and Jordan Spence, they'd come down, and everyone in Ontario would be excited because it's like, wow, we got we got Spence, we got Bjornfoot. This team's going to be unstoppable now. And it was like, you watch them, and again, great to see them have the minutes. It's not like they're bad, but you'd expect just plug them in and they dominate. And it, kind of out it, of it sync. Took, it took them a little time. And then all of a sudden, they'd start to click. They'd start to dominate. And then somebody else would go down or get hurt or they needed somebody else. And it was like, okay, those guys are – and they deserve that call-up. So you're happy and you're like, yeah, they. we need to see them up there. We need to see them play at the NHL level. And they come back and you're like, you thought they would step in where they left – where they you know, pick up where they left off. And it was like, no, it still takes a week and a half to get <laughs> – And yeah. so I do think there – it was a little bit kind of stuck in, in the mud – as far as just that consistency, but that's not that's not necessarily anybody's fault. It's just yeah. the, the type of game they play, the style. Like in Ontario, Tobias Bjornfoot's expected to do a lot more than he would do at the NHL level. And so when he comes down, you're like, let's go, man. We need you to play close to 30 minutes tonight. you got to be <laughs> playing power play time on the second power play unit. You know, all these things that uh, up at the NHL, Todd McClellan's like, okay, can you play 10 to 12 minutes and shut it down? Yeah. Um, so it, it it's a little bit different, and I think – it was good for them. I mean, that's that's a something you have to develop and and learn how to adapt. But also, you'd hope that for their sake that they, that does that doesn't have to happen this year. So that's just going to transfer straight into the next question, which is who starts the season at right defense three at RD three, um, and it comes down to Clark and Spence. I mean, presumably. Well, they sent. So <laughs> we know Anderson and Dowdy are going to be a pair. We know Gabrikov yeah, and Roy right. are going to be a pair. They sent five, or they were going to send five guys to Australia. They didn't because Clark got hurt. But you know, Bjorn Foot, Spence, Anglin, Clark, and Muvarari. So the real question is: of those five guys, which two make up the third pair? And well, only, of, only two of them shoot right. It's a heck of an opportunity for Spence getting yeah at least one, if not both, games in Australia. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I'd say he gets the lead foot, but at the end of the day, if you're looking at Brant Clark and what he did the second half of the year when he went back to the OHL, set records, mm-hmm. you look at the power play. Obviously, you would presume Doughty stays on that top unit. Clark would play PP2. Again, something that Spence can do as well easily. He's shown that in the AHL. He's shown that in the NHL. So both of them are completely capable, in my opinion. I think... You just have to assume it's going to be Brent Clark if he's healthy. He, his upside seems to be more on an offensive level. We were always so concerned, or at least the scouts or people who analyzed him talked about his skating and defensive ability. It seems like he's grown, and it's never really been a total problem, even when he was up here last year for a handful of games. So I, I lean Clark, but again, I think I go back to what you said 10 minutes ago, Jesse, and I wouldn't be shocked either way. because yeah. it's Both of them are completely capable. I think both of them in different ways have proven that they can play at that level uh, and be effective. My answer to this question is, well, and again, the question is just who starts the season in RD3? My answer is whoever earns it because yeah, it's legitimately a, a – No, but like, legitimately it's a dead <laughs> heat. Yeah, you're, you're, you're and, absolutely I'm, right. And, yes. I'm say, and when I say whoever earns it, it's one of those two. Yeah. yeah. You know, nobody else is, I don't think, ready to earn it. But yeah. my point is that, yes, Jack, I, I think – the favorite is probably Brant Clark, but if he doesn't earn it, 
I don't think the Kings would have any reservation about turning to Jordan Spence in that situation. I agree. And if and if the answer on the opposite foot is if Brant Clark earns it, they're going to be excited to have him there. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think it's it's just one of those things where he's got that opportunity, but if it doesn't work out, it's not a problem because you got Jordan Spence, and I think everybody's very comfortable with both of those guys. Mm-hmm. It's it's nice too that they're both on entry level contracts, so there's no contractual yeah, you're not, issues. You're, you're not handcuffed on right. needing to keep someone up or down. You just make your decision and then, you know, there are long-term implications of whatever decision you make, but those are next year problems. The real question is how many paper transactions will we see regarding uh, in yeah. those two players? Because on an off day, because they don't have to go through waivers, yeah. you could send both of them down yeah. <laughs> for no, some savings there. That's a whole Oh, and expect it too. Like yeah. there's save every the paper transactions to continue yeah. this season and probably be even more prevalent than they yeah, are. Yeah, I'm super stoked to have to do all those press releases say, I can't, for the internet. I can't wait for the first frenzied, you know, flurry of tweets like what the king sent down Byfield? Five players. It's, it's gonna, gonna be by, like yeah. he's eligible to go out yeah, not going through waivers. Three days like, off. He's on the first line and he's gonna get sent down. What? No, well it's just paper He'll be back in a yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, next question, moving off of the blue line onto the forward core. Who will Pierre-Luc Dubois play with? I asked Todd McClellan at the media availability on Friday, I think it was. You know, yeah. we saw the roster, um, the projected roster that Dooley got. Yeah. And it's just projected. It doesn't mean anything. But it looked exactly like it has in, in that first day of practice, which is Byfield, Kovatar, Kempe, the nice line, and then Fiala, Dubois, and Kaliev. Uh, and the question I had for Todd was just like, you don't have a ramp up to these games in Australia, right? You're just camp starts. You're on a flight. You're you're going. Yeah, you got three, four days of practice. Yeah. And boom. So are you keeping the lines that you know work from last season just just for, you know, simplicity's sake, mm-hmm. right? You know these three guys work. You know those three guys work. And even though it sort of feels like Fiala, Dubois, and Kaliev are a match. But it's sort of like they're also just thrown together, right? It's like, yeah. well, these are the three guys that don't have another line to play on. But it's he, great but, that they yeah. seem like they should work together. Mm-hmm. But is that line going to last through camp? I think it, it's one of those things where, like, I don't know if it will. I don't know if it should. But it would be the most pleasant outcome for the organization if those three players did sync well together. Yeah, no question about it. You look at – I think you kind of – you got the nail on the head there, Jesse, with – You've got the nice line. You've got the top line. Mm-hmm. And then it's a matter to me if they feel Dubois and Fiala work together. Yeah. That third spot, it's Kaliev, we would assume, presumably moving forward, if that's the, the lineup. But I think all of it depends on the, the duo and the chemistry between Dubois and Fiala. Fiala likes to move the puck. We know that. He sets up people. We've seen it day in and day out all of last season. And then you get Dubois, who's more of a power forward, but still a guy with extreme and top level skill. So do they have the chemistry of being able to set each other up? If you get a guy like Kaliev, who's a pure shooter, pure goal scorer, you know, if he has that ability to to find the open space and we know Fiala can find you if there's a glimmer of hope, that's like you said, the the ideal situation. If those two don't work together, then I think you're going to see some shuffling and and I would expect some shuffling anyway throughout mm-hmm. the preseason just to see. Um, but I agree that, you know, come Australia game one projected lineup, I would I would assume that though that's going to be the roster or that that's going to be the lineup, so yeah. to speak. You go back to, you know, last year, I remember when the Kings acquired Kevin Fiala 
mm-hmm. and it was so exciting, and everyone just assumed he's playing with Kobe. Yep, not everybody. I know you did, except didn't. for Jesse. <laughs> I know you did, but but again, yep. let me just say that did he start with Kobe? Yeah, yes, he did. Did it work out? No, no, it did not, not for now. Could work out later, <laughs> but could. at least for now, didn't yep. work out. So I think it's great that that's a great start. Yeah, but. You don't have to go back to further than last year to remember yeah. that a high-profile player and another high-profile player don't always mesh. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, like the skill level of both PLD and and Fiala is off off the charts. Mm-hmm. Like they're amazing, but for that same reason, like it, it doesn't might mean, not work. Yeah, it like, doesn't mean they can play together. Yeah, you know, and see, it seems like at least too like coming in, Dubois has a great attitude as far as. He's just like, yeah, I don't care. Like, whatever. I've need, heard him yeah. say a couple times, like, put me at wing. I don't. It doesn't matter. Like, I'll play whatever I want to win. So, you know, it, that at least leads me to believe he's going to be trying to find Kevin and try to get the puck to Fiala as much as possible. Be that distributor at least to start trying to make sure he's comfortable. Which seems like, yeah, it seems like it'd be a good fit. But again, yeah. kind of thought that that'd be the same thing with yeah. with Kopitar as well uh, with Fiala. Well, like I said, it is the easiest outcome. Right. It was it was the same, like I said, last year with Cal Peterson It's not the outcome that I expected. But the best outcome for the franchise was that Cal Peterson rediscovered his game and was the player they wanted him to be. Yeah. The best outcome for the Kings is that Fiala, Dubois and Kaliev vibe do have chemistry and can play defense. Although I feel obligated to toss this out there. Kaliev's on the last year of his ELC. If a Laferriere or a Fagamo or one of those guys is going to yep. have an outstanding camp and steal a spot from somebody. Like I mentioned, that's the spot. That is that is a vulnerable spot. I won't say it's, it's the a, it's, spot, but it it's, is. It's, and, and we've seen Kaliev still be effective on the fourth line and a second yeah. power play role. So I agree. I completely agree that of all the spots on the roster, that is the most intriguing. On one. forward, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. On forward, of all the spots on the roster, that is the most intriguing spot of the 12 yeah and i want to just throw this it has nothing to do with what we're talking about but i do want to say it if he's healthy and available for 82 games Callie? trevor lewis is oh, playing 82 sure. games and uh, you know i mean he's uh, he played 80 out of the last 164 games he played 162 that's fair like <laughs> he's they didn't bring him in he's to send important. him to ontario like he's no got a, he's got he's a not role. going to ontario <laughs> no, 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 he'll not. never go to ontario could he be a healthy scratch on a back-to-back at the end of a long road trip, maybe. But, yeah. like, he's he's playing. This is the, it felt the same way about Edler last year where people were like, he's an insurance policy. He's not. Well, he's going to play. Well, actually, he, he was mean, kind of an insurance how policy. How many games did Edler play? Didn't he play the full, basically the full? Yeah, no, I don't think so. No, his age no. and his injuries caught up to him at the end. But he yeah. was all right. He was he's making me too. looking it up. He played. I don't think it was as many no, as you could. 64. Okay, so he missed so 18 that's, games. That's, that's 18. a lot. Okay, but you just said Lewis is playing 82. All right, Lewis is playing <laughs> Lewis is playing 60 at least if he's healthy for them. 60 that's, 65. Me, that's a big difference. I'm just saying he's not I've seen a lot of people saying 3 fourths this I'm seeing a lot of people saying like that's well fourth still line 60 games is is missing 20 22 he's, games. He's in the lineup. That's 3 fourths. Yeah. This is a separate conversation for a separate I think we're in agreement. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. think when you brought Edler yeah, into yeah, it, you opened you up the door. Yourself on that one. Right. But yes. Next question is uh what impact will Australia have on the rest of camp? And this is really sort of tying back into two previous questions, the health and the right D, because every minute that a guy like Brand Clark isn't with the main roster in Australia is a minute that they are learning how to play with Jordan Spence. Yeah. I think the one thing to keep in mind is you're going to see, like we know, because of who's in Australia, mm-hmm. you're going to see 
basically 85% of Kings players in the game, if not all the way up to 100. Uh, once you get back from Australia, I wouldn't expect to see a lot of them in the first few games no. back, in, <laughs> no. back in the United States. But that opens opportunities for a guy like Brant Clark to play first-line minutes as a deep pair in those preseason games. That's fair. So while it's not, it's a bigger opportunity for Jordan Spence right now at 3D mm. being in Australia, it's still an opportunity for Blank, Brant Clark to play against NHL talent. We'll probably be a little bit undermanned because of this, the way that this is going because we're going to have NHL players playing in these two games. They get back. We're going to see probably a little bit more of an AHL roster with a few stragglers from the NHL, whatever it may be, back in those games. So Brant Clark will have an opportunity in those few games as well as a lot of guys like, you know, the Laferrieres, maybe the Fagimos, maybe the, you know, maybe you get Byfield and Kaliev still playing because of the younger legs. It'll be interesting to see, but that's my biggest takeaway. You know, assuming health isn't what we're going to talk about because you just can't predict that. No. I think opportunities will still be available for some of those bubble guys because they're going to get a lot of ice time in those games right after Australia. For me, I think, it's a great opportunity, especially we, we talked a lot about Pierre-Luc Dubois on this, on this show already, to get him acclimated with the rest of the roster just off the ice. Yep. Welcome him into the group. I mean, yeah. you're just throwing him on a plane for 17 hours with his new teammates. And, <laughs> and you know, ahead, you're, you're spot on there. And it's like I think anyone who's played the sport, how many times did you bond with your teammates over road trips to, to a hockey tournament or a baseball or a football tournament, whatever it may be? So I think you know, that's a spot on. Welcome point. to the group. You exactly. Know I mean. So you're what's in a, this with us? Yeah, we're, yeah. We, this is a yeah, we're, we're a going across the yeah. world. So so that's a great point. And on top of that, I think the chemistry starts early, not only off the ice, but normally you probably wouldn't see this lineup a month out yeah. from the season. So you can kind of figure out how each other work in real game situations against mainly NHL rostered Arizona Coyotes. So. Yeah. And yeah. you have those shared experiences, like as someone who's traveled before, you know, would love to do more of it. It's you go to see a museum, you go to on a hike, there's, you know, you're exploring a new part of the world together and you form bonds with people in a way that you wouldn't if you're just going through practices and watching video and doing yeah. some video sessions. And yeah, they, they do other things during camp here in LA. It's a great city. There's a lot to do, but it's different than... All right, we're yeah. getting up early it's, for a hike. It's so this much, morning, yeah. It's you know. so much of a group experience. Theoretically, in terms of you said you like traveling, would you like to travel to Australia for a hockey game? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who's like, paying? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> On whose time? And then not not only that, but then also you've got a situation where I think you know they're in it when they come back mm -hmm. too, yeah. and so that maybe my my only my worry about it is like. There are going to be those guys, like Jack said, who are going to have some opportunities. How will the coaching staff, when the groups start to thin out and become one, how will they evaluate a guy who's been in Australia, only got to play two games against the Coyotes in this crazy environment? You know, you're, you're not really mm – -hmm. you're evaluating, but it's hard to. It's also an experience. I mean, it's like last year when Todd McClellan talked about the game at Toyota Arena. There was like eight stoppages. <laughs> yeah. He was like, the ice wasn't good. And he was like, yeah, we love Ontario. We love the, this building. We love everything. But I can't really use this to evaluate much. So it, it's hard for him to do that. And then when you come back and he's going to be watching video of a couple of these games that those guys are going to play in here in mm -hmm. the U.S., how do, how do you evaluate that versus what everybody else was doing? So there's two guys that I think um, will get opportunities as a result of the Australia trip that I hadn't even considered until Jack. Excellent point about Brant Clark 
hanging back. Mm-hmm. Um, one is Jacob Doty, who traveled to Australia yep. on an AHL contract. Todd McClellan was asked about that Spoke on very Friday highly. and just came out and said, like, Jacob Doty might have had an NHL contract if he didn't get hurt last year, and he might wind up getting one in the future. So you look back at the tape, yeah, I think I said that last year. You may, may very well have. Roll it um, back, baby. So that's a huge opportunity for Jacob Doty. The flip side, one of the guys who got left behind, or not left behind, but one of the guys who was not invited to go to Australia, also on an AHL contract, but who will get a chance to play because all three goaltenders um, are in Australia, is Jacob Bingham. We talked to him about at, you know his performance at the rookie camp. The Kings have games on the 24th. The Australia group will still be in Australia for that game. The 27th, I doubt very much they'll ask any of the guys that went to Australia to play two days after they return from Australia. And then back-to-backs on the 29th and 30th, some of the guys from Australia might dress or play in those games, but not all of them. That's four games and spread out over a week that Jacob Ingham has where his real only competition in goal is Eric Portillo and other players on AHL contracts or PTOs. Yeah, I was going to bring up JF Barube mm-hmm. in this in this discussion because I think for him this represents an opportunity. Yep. Obviously he's on a PTO, but it's kind of a twofold thing. If Jacob Ingham elevates himself, he could show that hey, he's he's willing, you know, and he's ready for maybe a little bit more of an opportunity. But also if he doesn't, you have a guy like JF Barube who could carve out himself a role here. And mm-hmm. the other catalyst in this equation is Riddich through waivers. Yeah. So that's or an, not an, only him could be Cam Talbot or could be Cam Talbot Phoenix or Phoenix Copley. Absolutely. Wanna, that's a great you know. point. We again projections. One of but those three. One of those three is going to have to go through waivers if because we're not going to be able to afford him on the twenty three man roster if they're taken off. Then that again, like you said with uh, with Troy Grossnick, all of a sudden everything you set up in the summer, you know, it's not Plan A anymore. It's Plan B or Plan C, depending on how Barubi plays, depending on how Ingham plays depending on you know who goes through waivers and, and where do they end up. So, yeah, another really intriguing situation because I don't think we've put a lot of talk into the goaltenders up until now, but yeah. it, it is a really interesting spot because there's a lot that can happen, and by no means do we know where the depth chart sits. We, we, you know, we can project it, but they've got to play. We've got about a month to figure out which six goalies end up being you know, four, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I've been avoiding the very co- topic uh, because the final question in our 10 biggest <laughs> oh, questions. <whoops. laughs> no, it's perfect. My bad. No, it's an excellent setup. I promise um, I've read this before we start. <laughs> was which goalie will be rostered slash start opening night? And the reason that I phrased it that way is I don't, even if you think that Talbot and Copley are the two that wind up on the Kings, which I think most people assume is what will happen. And it certainly sounds that way from everything, all the internal conversations that have been made public. Mm -hmm. Even so, we don't know who the starter is. It could be a situation where they each play 41 games. Cam Talbot was very public about feeling like he was capable of regaining a starter's role. But I'm sure if you asked Phoenix Copley, he would say the same thing. No question. I mean, it's, it's a great situation to have where you've got two guys that are very hungry that believe they are the number one. So you hope in, in internally they push themselves and even Redditch as well. Keep him in the loop as as we can. But you look at I think we know what we got out of Phoenix Copley last year. And, and there's a great rapport between Todd McClellan and Cam Talbot dating back to three and change years in Edmonton. 
He had his best year with, I think, 42 wins in Edmonton under McClellan. So there's a trust there. He also had a great year in Minnesota two seasons ago. Then he got injured right before, I believe, in the preseason and didn't play a full year. I think he played 30-something games. Had a winning record in Ottawa, even with them having a losing record. So he has the track record. He has shown he's capable of being a pure number one. And I think that's where I would lean in terms of who would start that first game of the year. Um, And I think at least I would expect you see a 50-50, 60-40 split until said goalie kind of takes over the role, kind of like Hopley did in the second half, middle of the year last year. For basically all those reasons, if, you know, training camp can change these things, but I would go with Cam Talbot on my opening night starter as my opening night starter i just think because you want to see what he's got yeah. right you know what he's, we know that phoenix copley can play in the nhl we saw it last season yeah. we know that everyone else is comfortable playing in front of phoenix copley yeah. and there, you know at some point he could take over the number one job he's mm-hmm. he's certainly shown yeah. that he could be the number one goaltender but what i want to see is can cam talbot be the number one goaltender and we know he's done it in the past for multiple teams but it you know he's a little bit older he hasn't been around this team. It's opening night. It's October 11th. I would probably start with Cam Talbot just to see what you got. And if you don't get what you want, well, then you go you to, to Phoenix Copley and you go from there. That's but good, that's kind of where I'm where Yeah, I'm I mean, at. Talbot's 36. He's no, you know, spring chicken. I think that's the term. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it's very interesting because, you know, he's had some ups and downs, especially in the last two years where he was at the top of his game. Should have started in the playoffs for Minnesota two years ago. Didn't happen. Things didn't work out. He gets traded to Ottawa and was supposed to be the guy in front of a team that a lot of people projected to be kind of a surprise contender. It didn't work out. But he also had to deal with a lot of injuries. So, you know, he's healthy. He's had a healthy summer. He's been here for a while. He's acclimating. I know he's been around some of the vets, obviously, as a vet himself. It seems like he's acclimating. We talk about the bonding with, you know, PLD being new. It's the same thing with Cam Talbot. It's a different team. It's something that he's getting comfortable with. So hopefully in the in the King's sake, he is what they hope he has been, you know, say in Minnesota or even in his time in Ottawa. Um, and even in flashes last year, I think he was 19 and 16. So, you know, he's a winning goaltender. It's just a matter of can he do it in a different system at this age? Not that it comes down to price. But I do find it sort of amusing, odd, whatever you want to call it. Cap space wise, Talbot is one million, Copley is one point five. But Talbot's contract is for two. The extra million is just paid out next year. So it's one of those situations where like technically Cam Talbot is earning more than Phoenix but Copley. If you're trying to squeeze the most out of your roster space, you know for sure you, you might not care <laughs> no. about the rest. No, of it. I just I just one of those. It is interesting, and even like I said, it shouldn't come down to who makes more or whatever. No. It's just a, an interesting. But it, it quirk it sometimes does that it is Camp Talbot. That's going to do it for the ten questions for training camp. We'll have updates as camp goes on. Uh, this will publish Thursday morning. Games are starting on Friday night. We've got a game Friday night at nine, Saturday night at nine, and then Sunday. Jared, you and I are going to head out to Anaheim at five. I think. Well, so, the game's at five, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have Yeah, no, we'll be there that. a lot earlier. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be in traffic. Like, yeah. Trust me, check your schedule. Yeah, yeah. The bus is earlier than that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, heads up, Kings fans. Kings hockey coming your way. Thanks for joining me, fellas. 